Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. Well, while you're standing, and you may be sitting in your living rooms watching this online, but uh, I really encourage you to just, whatever it takes, just cause something on the inside of you, stir something up on the inside of you, whether you're in your living room, certainly if you're here right now, get stirred up, let something happen on the inside of you. Honestly, uh, we are in for a great time this morning. What great worship it's been. I'm just that pumped about this morning. It's so good to be in church. And uh, hey, look, if you're watching online and you live on the Sunshine Coast, you need to get in church. If your church isn't open, uh, watch it online. Uh, but if you don't have a church, get down here, seriously. Uh, no need to register online. You can register right here uh, when you get here. So make sure you don't, don't miss live, uh, like live, if you, don't, if, you, if you can help it. So, uh, but have live in your living room right now. Shake your dog's hand if you're by yourself. You got a cat if you're a cat person. Pet your kitty. Uh, you know, do whatever it takes right now to be warm to somebody right now. We can't, you know, because of social distancing, well, I can't tell you to go and hug somebody and shake a hand, but I can say, look somebody and, and smile. Just look at somebody right now and turn around and smile. And uh, God bless you, worship team. You guys are so awesome, man. Thank you so much. What a joy it is. We'll have you back up here. You can take your seats right now. <laughs> And uh, so good, so good to be back. I, I think this is our third Sunday back here. Uh, we got a lot of social distancing, distance between everybody and all of that, but you know what, we're, we are together in the spirit. We are in a series called All Things New, and I don't mean almost all things new. <laughs> I don't mean, oh, well, kind of, uh, all things new. And uh, I, I encourage you to pick up on what we've already talked about in previous uh, well, the podcasts. If you go to our website, you'll find it, citychurch.com.au, uh, uh, or just subscribe to our YouTube channel, again, City Church Sunshine Coast, and, uh, and pick up on what's previously uh, been preached, where we're at in the journey. And so we're talking about all things new. Our foundation scripture is this. It's 2 Corinthians 5.17. Listen to this. Therefore, if anyone, I like that, I can bomb that target over and over again because if you are here, you're watching online or you're present here, you are an anyone. That includes everyone. Everyone is an anyone. I like that. If anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creature. I like that. A new creature. Think about creatures of all kinds. A brand new creation. Another uh, translation says a new creation. Old things passed away. Behold or look, new things have come. Sometimes I struggle because I memorized all these scriptures in the old King James. And uh, we're looking at the, at the uh, NIV and I'm like, wait a minute, that's wrong. It's supposed to say, you know, all things have become new. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. But, you know, any way you cut it, you are a new creation if you are in Christ. You're going to have an opportunity before the end of this service to be in Christ. You say, what does that mean? Well, we'll unpack that a bit for you. But Christ is not Jesus' last name. 
lot of people think, Jesus Christ, you know, like Ed Luther, it must be, or Bob Smith, it must be his last name. No, it's not. It's, uh, it, it's who he is. He is the Christ. He is the anointed one. He is the only one that can cause all things in your world to become new. He is the only one that gives you the power to do a new thing and to be a new person, more importantly. He is it. He's the bomb. He's the amazing one. He's the, he's the reason that my, my hands have to fly up in the air and I have to worship him. I, I can't sit there and you know, talk quietly. All, you know, it's like, whoa, man, like we're talking about Jesus Christ, humanity and deity merged together to create something brand new in you. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, brand new in you, in case they don't realize that. I had, when I was in uh, secular employment before I went into ministry, I had one of the best jobs. Seriously, it was a dream job. It took me a, a few years to get to the point, but I was in charge of and part of a team for evaluating new products, new research and development products that would come into the, into the uh, marketplace, and that was with 3M Corporation. Before that, I worked for a company called General Dynamics. We made things to blow the world up. We made F-16s, we had the cruise missiles, we had F, uh, George Washington class submarines. We, you know, you name it, if we, could, we would blow it up if you, you know, bought our equipment, it was the best stuff in the world. But what I used to really be enamored with was these engineers that had top secret clearances. I had a clearance, but it wasn't top secret. And some of these guys, seriously, I'd watch them on lunch breaks and during our coffee breaks and things, and they'd come out of the, the room you know, the door would open, they'd come out. Nobody's allowed to go into that room or that area except with the top secret clearance. And, and so I'd look at these guys and I'd think, man, you guys, uh, you're amazing. You, you, you got no dress sense at all. They would just dress like, seriously, you know, nerds. Like, they were the ultimate nerd. But some of those people were so, they were so smart. And, and what I really uh, was, really caught my imagination was the fact that what they dreamed up in their nerdy brains was what I was doing the financial part for to, to bring that into the marketplace. That if they could dream it, we could, we could get the money, we could prioritize the product so I did net present values and cash flows and eternal rates of return and all of that and work with marketing and manufacturing and engineering and, and all of that to say which product are we going to introduce first, second, third, we prioritize those into the marketplace. But what really caught me was that something in somebody's head could become a product that people would use, even if it was to blow up the world or something. But with 3M, we weren't doing that. It got really good because no longer was I looking at budgets for uh, things to, you know, kill people. It was uh, incredible that these products would go out and help people. And, and I started dreaming myself, and I started thinking, wow, you know, I've got some dreams, I've got some visions, and when I started to really tap into my Christian life, I realized that what God dreamed up for me, the ultimate engineer, not a nerd at all, but, you know, the ultimate mind, the ultimate dreamer, the ultimate vision, and the ultimate imagination is the one that created you in his image. Don't ever forget that. You are not created in the devil's image. You're not a fallen uh, mistake somewhere. You were created in God's image. You've got an image maker on the inside of you that whatever God places in there that you can dream it, it can happen. Well, one of the things that really got me was how hard it is. 
for something to go from a, a dream or, or an image or an imagination into reality. It just didn't happen. It wasn't magic. There was a lot of work that went into it. I had my small part, and uh, you know the engineers had their big part. The marketing people had a major part as to whether that was ever going to end up on, you know, in somebody's house or whatever with 3M or in the military arsenal with General Dynamics. And, and, and it was hard work to get something from an, uh, an idea all the way through to reality. I, I want to talk this, this morning about seizing your new, seizing your new, that your new is not going to fall into your lap. It's not, like I said, it's not magic. People think, well, I, I, I hear that scripture, I, I quote that scripture, I've, I've read it before, but it just doesn't seem to happen to me. Well, it's not just going to happen to you. There is something that you've got to do, and I've called this morning's message Seizing Your News, Seizing It, because you've got to go after it. So I saw these dreams, and I imagined uh, what would happen in my life if I would let God do something new, and if I would do basically three things that I'll, I'll talk and share with you about this morning, and uh, I've kind of cut this three, three there's two different ways of saying this. One of them is see it, uh, and, uh, and then uh, take and seize it. So you've got to see it first, and then you can seize it. And then another way of saying it would be this, uh, to... Uh, to have a revelation, that's to see, and that's what we talked mainly about the last two weeks. The, to, to see it is to have a, a, a revelation, but then we've got to have a resolve or a resolution, and we'll talk about that in a, in a little bit, but it's when your dream that you have, your, your, your vision, your imagination, sometimes it's pretty nebulous, it's not that clear, it's like uh, getting a pair of glasses for the first time, you go, wow. I didn't know that trees look like that or mountains look like that or people look like that. It's incredible. The resolve or, or the resolution starts to get clearer. And that's the second thing is to resolve it or have res resolution. And then the third thing is where we're really going to hit it this morning. I'm not going to give that to you right now. But imagine what would happen if you let God engineer something new in you, in your life, new ways of thinking, new, new friendships, new generosity, new opportunities, new technology could come out, new prayer life, new skills, a new way of eating. So you have a reducing waistline, new exercise programs, new studies that God wants you to do, and, and ultimately your behavior would change. So your world would become exponentially, and I do mean that, exponentially larger. You'd become fitter, smarter, uh, smaller in the waist. You'd live longer. You'd have new growth to explore new things. You'd have uh, business opportunities would start to expand. Communities would be transformed if we would let God do something new on the inside of us. There's a scripture in Ephesians 4 and verse 24, and I want you to listen to this. And put on the new self. Well, Sometimes people say, oh, Christianity is a put-on. It is. It's a really big put-on. <laughs> you got to put on the new self. But have you ever, like, been out jogging or, or, or maybe, you know, you get up, if it's like me, you get up in the morning, it's like, I just got to have a shower. Like, I'm not going to, I dare not get dressed in a nice outfit until I'm clean on the inside. You know what it's like? Uh, sometimes Gail will you know, not sometimes, all the time. Gail will wash the sheets for the bed, make clean, you know, bedding. 
and, uh, and then uh, it's time for bed, but I'm not really clean. And I don't want to jump into those nice clean sheets and have a really good night's sleep because to me, like, sleep is a highlight. Like, crawling in the bed, especially in weather like this in Australia right now, you know, the weather's rather cool. It's not cold, but it's coolish. And, and to me, there's nothing better than, oh, pull the sheets back. They're fresh. They're clean. You know, you can smell them. There's something about that. If you've ever been to a hotel, you know, you look forward to that. At the end of the day, you're going to have nice, clean sheets to crawl into. But you don't want to crawl in there feeling dirty. So I'll take a shower, like before bedtime. It's like, Gail's like, what are you doing taking a shower? What are you doing? You, you had a shower earlier in the day. I know, but, you know, I just want to be fresh and new and get into those nice, clean sheets and really enjoy the next eight hours or whatever it is experience. That's just me. Uh, but, you know, you don't want to put something new and fresh on over something old. And so he says here, put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. He has created something for you to, to be in you, for you to walk into that is so fresh and so new. He calls it righteousness or uprightness before him. He calls it holiness, that you are pure and set apart in his eyes. You don't want to try to put that on, a, on your old filthy self. And so the first thing that we need to do, again, we've covered this, but it all starts with seeing it or revelation. You've got to come back to the fact in your imagination and quit thinking and seeing yourself as the old person. I see sometimes Christian people who are in Christ, or they were in Christ, at some time they made a declaration, a prayer of salvation, but they keep talking about the old man or the old woman. And it's like, well, which is it now? Which, do you, which are you? Do you admire that old, filthy, sinful life that you had? Then go back to it. Or are you going to let God do something new? You've got to use your supernatural eyes, not your natural eyes. You've got to start to dream and, and let your dream be more real than your situation. To step into the new, you've got to see yourself as new. If you see yourself as just an extreme makeover or an old, then you're just going to honestly, you're never ever going to put on the, the, the new uh, righteousness and holiness. You're going to just have like this old thing going on and going back to the past. Colossians 3.10 says this, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. I, I, you can write this one down, but there can be no new you with old you thinking. There won't be a new you with old, new, old you thinking. Romans 6, 6 says this, for we know that our old self Oh, I love this. Your old self was, past tense, crucified with him. Your old self is not still around, kicking around. If you're a new creation, what don't you understand about new? You are new, but you've got to enforce it. Nobody else can enforce it for you. Sometimes I'll get around people that knew the old Ed. Some of you are watching right now that knew the old Ed. <laughs> Some family members and friends and you know you know you know me because <laughs> you knew me growing up and you knew every bit of my life and, and sometimes I'll get around and you know we used to call that swapping old war stories 
You know, when I, when I made a transformation, I decided to, you know, get out of party and drink and all that kind of stuff, you know. The one thing that had to stop was sitting around talking about the good old days. They weren't good. They really were not good old days. And, and talking about that brought it back into the past, and it started then, if you take something that's dead, you take a corpse, pull it out of the ground, it's going to stink. Do you remember when Jesus... Uh, raised Lazarus from the dead, and you know, four days he's been in that tomb, and, and they go, no, don't, 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 don't go in there. <laughs> by now, and it says this in the old King James, by now, he's stinketh. There is something about the old you that stinketh, and every time the old you starts to get resurrected and pops its head out of the grave because you let it, guess what? Everybody goes, back off, man. Like, <laughs> you stinketh. And some of that is in the language that we use, talking about it as if it was the best days of my life or bragging about how tough we were or how much we drank or how, how miserable we were. I'm all for a testimony, believe me. I think if you've got to give your testimony, give it. Uh, but, don't, but don't relish in the old person because he stinketh. When I uh, used to travel and preach, I did uh, a lot of meetings with the full gospel business uh, men. And they were mostly lunches, and I don't think they even exist today. I'm not sure, but uh, they just wanted my testimony. I got really tired of talking about the old man. In fact, it was like, oh, do I have to do this again? And I'd have to really, I'd have to spend serious time going, okay, God, I'm going to tell it, but I don't like telling it. I really don't like relishing in who I used to be. I don't like even looking at the old photo and going, you know, he was really ugly, and he behaved ugly, and he talked ugly, and he treated other people ugly. But I see some people looking at that old, tired, ugly photo and almost bragging about how mean and ugly they were. Nobody wants that. That stinks, and you can't walk through life being want to walking in the new if you're going to keep pulling out the old. There are a lot of things you can look back on with fondness, however, but your old man should not be one of them. You know, Israel, when they got delivered out of Egypt and they crossed over rivers and they did different things, they, always, they built monument after monument after monument. What was that for? It was a memorial for God so that they could look back and future generations could go, there's where it happened. There's where Joshua crossed over the Jordan and the, and the waters parted. There's where Moses before that had crossed over the Red Sea and the waters parted and God created a miracle and they took stones out of the river because it was a miracle, a creative miracle, and they piled those stones up and made uh, a memorial for future generations to go back at and go, that's where that happened. That was amazing. That's a memorial. It's one thing to go back and go, man, God did something amazing in my life. It's another thing to go back and relish and lament, you know, how they did in Egypt. They thought, oh, back, let's go back to Egypt where we had leeks and, and uh, whatever else they were eating. And, you know, back then, like, wow, why would you want to go back even in your thinking back to that except to say, praise God, I'm free. God is so good. So your life, your old self, was crucified, dead, and buried. That's why when we do water baptism, that's what that symbolizes. You, you're, you're going down under the water. It's, it's symbolic of the fact that your old self is gone. 
You're dead. You're crucified. And then when you come up, it's to signify the fact because you are in Christ, the history of Christ becomes your history. The future of Christ becomes your future because he is seated at the right hand of the Father. Guess what? You are seated there, Ephesians says. You are seated with him in heavenly places. You are not seated in the seat of the scornful. You are not a sinner that's just, you know, waiting for something to happen. Your old sinful life, your old man or woman was crucified with him. You are crucified, dead, and buried, and then resurrected again from, uh, from the dead to newness of life. I, I, I started to look for my life in Scripture, and it's been one of the keys to personal journaling and Bible study. I said, God, show me. Show me who I am. And who you are in Christ is probably, that is one of the biggest revelations that seems to be missing a lot of times in the church. Because we don't know who we are. Therefore, we don't know our, our authority that we have. You've got so much authority. Authority comes from author. The author of all of life, the author of the book of life, has given you authority in life to rule and to reign with him in life. That's what happens when you get authority. But you've got to look for your life. I began to read the Word of God, not as something that happened to a bunch of people thousands of years ago, but something that happened to me. I began to look for my life in the book. I began to look for my life in Him. Not my previous old life, but who I am right now, who He declares me, who, how He sees me, to re-engineer, if you will, something new. And so I began to see that. That's revelation. And look at, and read those letters that God has, has written to you. Those letters of Ephesians and Romans and First and Second Corinthians and, and the whole Bible, those are love letters from a loving God, not loving, from love himself into your life to show you your life. Read about yourself in the book. Discover your life by losing it and read about the fact that you are dead. Newsflash. You're gone. Your old is gone. You can celebrate around that. New doesn't come easy because sometimes we just want to hold on to the old. I like the fact that uh, when they crossed over the first time and Moses took him over, well, he didn't actually get to go over. Uh, Joshua took him over. And, and, and God took Moses and buried him somewhere. Not alive. Moses died. And, and then it says, and nobody to this day knows where Moses was buried. And I'm like, wow, like, why didn't you, like, tell everybody this is where Moses is buried so they could walk around, celebrate, and, you know, have a big funeral service? And the fact was, I didn't understand that until I was walking around uh, Lenin's uh, corpse in, in Moscow. There's, in the mausoleum there, uh, Lenin, who is one of the founders of communism. He's still, in, he's still there. They've, he's like a, he's a wax kind of embalmed corpse from way back, you know, in the 30s, whenever he died. And, uh, and, and they're walking around, walking around. And I went in there, and I'm walking around, and there he is down there, and it's like all, you know, all these Russians. It's like a sacred place. And then I went to Vietnam, and I saw Ho Chi Minh. Same deal, big old mausoleum thing, and you, you get in line, you walk around there, and you look down, there's the dead man, you know, Ho Chi Minh, just like Lenin. 
And, and, and it really hit me. These people can't walk into anything new because they keep circling the old. And God wouldn't give them an embalmed Moses. He wouldn't give them a gravesite even. He wouldn't give them anything because Moses was dead. He was gone. He didn't lead them across the Jordan. Joshua, which means Savior, he got to lead them across the Jordan, and there was nothing for them to look back at to keep them on that other side. Moses was good. He took him for 40 years, wandering around, circling around, never going over. He's gone. Sometimes we will circle for the whole, the whole of our life and endure just constant torment because we don't realize dead is dead. You've got to step over into the new, but don't build a memorial to the past. I think I've bombed that target, but, uh, you know, your revelation then, what you see about the new, then has to be resolve or resolution. That's the second uh, word there. If if I was going to say it again with S's, it'd be see it. The second thing would be say it, speak it out, resolve it. Uh, You know you have resolved something to do when you begin to talk about it and tell other people uh, about it. When, you, when you've resolved to do the new, when you've made a resolution to do what you see, you'll begin to speak it out. You'll begin to tell people about it. That, that however, is still not enough to bring that new product, that new you, if you will, into reality, but it's certainly a big, integral part of the process. See it and then say it. Get a revelation, then get a re- resolution or a resolve. So resolution means this, uh, when things start to become clear. Great determination, this is out of the dictionary. Resolution, great determination, a mental pledge, resolve, decide firmly. That means that what I see, I am pursuing it now. I'm not going to give up. I'm like a bull terrier. I'm going to grab a hold of somebody's pant leg. You know, we play with our dog Enzo. He's got this toy. And I love it, you know, I'll just torment him a bit with the toy, and then he'll, you know, finally I'll hit him in the nose with the toy, and finally he gets a hold of the toy, and it's like, you know, he just loves that. It's just something about it. We've got to grab a hold of what God shows us with great resolve and start speaking that out. What if they think I'm crazy? What if it doesn't happen? That's exactly why you don't do it. You pull back right there. You pull back at one of the most integral, necessary parts, and that's to set your resolve to see what you see come to pass. And so uh, we're given an, an, uh, an imagination, but we're also given a mouth. We're also given something to speak out, to call that thing, even before it materializes, to call it out there. When we were uh, in the church, started in the high school, uh, one of the, the first couple in our church, actually, his brother <coughs> was in a, a bikey gang, <coughs> Greg Smith, and uh, his, his brother uh, heard that I needed a pulpit, so he went out, uh, told his, he told, uh, Greg told his brother, and so he painted up a gun crate, all gold, put a cross on the front of it, and then brought it out, and Greg was so proud, he goes, here's you know, my brother, I think his name was Mark or something, he goes, here's, here's the pulpit, you know, that these guys made. It used to be a gun, gun crate. And I thought, well, that's good, because that's symbolic of the resolve that we have in planting this church, that we're not going to give up, because God showed us a vision. 31, we're in our 32nd year now. We're still walking that out. You know what? We're still speaking it out. 
We're still talking about empowering people to prosper. We're still talking about uh, raising generations, reaching nations. We are still talking about the hand of God going out there to the nations. And it's actually happening. But we never stop talking about Even when things look bad in your life. Even when it looks like that's never going to happen. Even when other people are ridiculing you and mocking you like they did Noah. And like they did Abraham. And like they certainly did Jesus. And they've done it to every... They've stoned the prophets. Even when... Even when they stone the prophet, the prophet still speaks out. Even if his blood's crying out from the ground, he is still going to speak it out because his resolve, he's not going to get shot up. Some of you have been shut up and shut down, and you've been forced into silence because other people, mocking voices, people, the doomsayers, naysayers, all of that, you've got to have your resolve that I'm not going to quit. So we had a vision we also had a message, which I'm still preaching today. But then the third thing, and we're going to fly right now. The third thing begins with R. So we got revelation. You got that? Everybody say revelation. Come on. Revelation. Second word is resolution. Come on, say it. Resolution. It's got to be resolute or resolved. The third thing that begins with R is revolution. Revolution. You won't have it. You won't seize it until you have revolution. So you can see it. You can say it. But you've got to seize it. And the way that you seize it is like the violent. Take it by force, the Bible says. You've got to have personal sacrifice. You've got to put some prayer into it. Some discipline. Bad word in Christianity. I'll tell you that right now. Your willingness, you've got to be willing to decrease sometimes so that the vision and other people can increase. We've got to see something, say something, and then we get to seize something new. Revolution means this out of the dictionary, to take part in a rebellion. <laughs> How does a rebellion go with Christianity, Pastor? Uh, isn't Christianity like a, a passive religion? Uh, isn't it like pacifism? Friend, you, you couldn't be more wrong if you think that. We're involved in the revolution of, revol, uh, of all revolutions. We are involved in a rebellion against sin and against everything that the hordes of hell have dreamed up to destroy people, to degrade women and babies and put people in slavery and just to get people to kill themselves and all that hideous stuff that's coming up from the pit of hell we have to have a rebellion against that. And, and, and you see that right now going on with the uh, BLM uh, uh, movement right now and the Me Too movement. And, you know, and the world is out there. They have had enough. That it's like the stench of that thing has caused them to be stirred up for whatever reasons. But you'll see that we have to have a revolution. This is what revolution, the noun says this. It means substitution of a new system of government, especially by force. Any complete change of method or conditions. Revolutionary, that's us. Involving great change. Revolutionary new ideas. Now the difference between <laughs> resolution and revolution is this. 
It's the difference between resolution is diplomacy, where you think you're going to make peace with the devil. You think that, uh, you know, I just want everybody to like me, and that's why, you know, I bring up the new, and I kind of I kind of go back to the familiar with people. You know, I just don't want them feeling uncomfortable because I'm, you know, telling them about Jesus or, or my new life or, I, you know, I quit swearing or I quit whatever you quit that God tells you to quit. You know, I, I just want to have some diplomacy going on here. So you've got resolution, you've got diplomacy, you're politically correct is okay, I guess, but you know, you are Christian correct and that you just mix a little old in, even though you know the old was crucified, dead and buried, but you're still going to let the, you know, let a bit old so you don't lose some friends. The difference between resolution and revolution is diplomacy versus war. We don't get it. We don't seize it because we won't go to war with it. We're afraid. We back off. We just try endless diplomacy with the devil. You are never going to negotiate with him a, a surrender or a, cease, a ceasefire, if you will. That's never going to happen. God, when he went to the cross, it was a revolutionary that went to the cross to overthrow that old world system that's still going on because God's people, God's body got a vision. And sometimes they get a bitter resolve and they'll talk about it, but it takes more than just talk. It takes, you've got to seize that. You've got to revolt. You've got to see things that are, are really, the old has to become revolting to you. Do you know why some people don't change? They kind of like the old. It kind of fits their, their mouth when they're talking those old words and that, those old, old paradigms. Listen to what Paul said. He said in uh, Philippians 3.8, he said, what is more? Oh, this is so good. I, I love this scripture. I'll, I use it a lot. But it's worth memorizing. My troubles, I memorized it all, all the old King James. I'm going to read it out of the NIV. Uh, what is more? I consider... Everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. Not knowing about him. A lot of people know about him, but they don't know him. How do you know if you know him? Your life has changed. Your gob has got new words coming out of it, not, not the old mindset coming out, words of you know all kinds of junk. It's, it's, it's everything a loss. Everything because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage or dung, or you could come up with some other words to describe what sticks to your shoe if you're walking and some dogs have been around. It's garbage that I may gain Christ, the whole goal, I want to be found in him. I want him to do a new thing. He has done something new. Now, it's up to me to, to say that, to seize that, to, to, to speak it, to seize it, to get a revelation, to get a resolve on, and now to have a revolt. Have you ever tasted something that was revolting? How many people have? You know, I was thinking about this. Uh, I like Bear Grylls. I like watching Bear Grylls. Some people like Bear Grylls. And, and uh, you know, and, and one of the things I like about Bear Grylls isn't just repelling, jumping out of helicopters. He eats the most revolting things. Like he'll take a pussy, pus-filled grub, and he'll go, hmm, this has got X, X amount of protein and energy in it. 
And then he puts it in his mouth and he lets you see the squirting green yellow pus coming out. You know, seen him crawl inside the stomach of a horse, I think it was, to stay warm. He eats the most disgusting things. I don't know if you've ever tasted something that was so revolting that it made you sick. I could tell you a few stories. One of the things that, I, that really disgusts me is milk when it goes off. Oh, man. You know, my, one of my uh, best friends and flatmates, you know, we lived together. And I wanted to get him really big because what he did was uh, he took my, my, my only suit that I was using for interviews in college. And <laughs> we were having a big fight in the dormitory. And, uh, and, and he took a waste bin, which is full of ashes, cigarette ashes and ashes of other things. He made a slurry out of it. And then he kind of hung out in the doorway, going out into the hall in the dormitory there. And then he poked his head out. And we used to call him uh, the wheeze. Like, he's like a weasel. He poked, poked his head out. And, and, uh, and, and uh, anyway, I, I took this big uh, rubbish bin full of, of ashes and all that kind of stuff. Everybody was doing it. I took mine, and I went, bam. And as soon as the water's in the air, you know, the water can't come back now, he steps out into the hallway, and he's got my brand-new suit on. And it's like, splash, wrecked the whole suit. And he just started laughing. And in my mind, I'm thinking, that was just too easy. To, to, nobody nails him, the weasel, that easy. So what did I do? I'm talking it up. And it took a while after that. We're living in a flat now. And uh, I'm saying, oh, whose milk is this in the fridge? And we kind of shared food and had our own food and stuff as well. And, and I knew he was going to bite on it. And he goes, oh, it's mine. It wasn't. But he said, oh, yes, it's mine. I'm going, no, it's not. It's mine. And, uh, and this milk had gone off and it had that, you know, big hunk of cream on the top of it. It just, whoa, you know. And so I took the cream off of it, put it in the fridge like it looked like fresh milk. And then uh, he knew if he drank out of it, he scalded it. If he scalded it, that nobody else would want to touch it. So he grabs that thing, takes the lid off. You know, this is the guy that wrecked my suit. And he goes, clunk, clunk, clunk. And then I watched him vomit like all over the place. He was so sick, and I'm just like laughing my guts. I'm like, yes, yes, I got more than even. Cop that. And, and you know, it was sweet revenge, but it was revolting. And sometimes, you know, we need to see the old man, the old nature, the old you, to be a revolutionary, to alter completely. You've got to see there's no room for, dis for diplomacy. You've got to have a revolt. And the revolt starts when you see the old as revolting. It's so revolting that, honestly, I don't want to talk about it because it disgusts me. So I'm not telling everybody about how bad I was because it's just bragging. It's honestly, it's a, it's a, it means you haven't left it. To leave it means it's so disgusting, I'm not going to talk about it all the time, tell about it, certainly not going to model it. To put on the new, you got to get the old off. you got to get him in the ground where he belongs, crucified, dead, and buried. And don't pull him out because he's going to stink up everything that God wants to do that's new. The old is a revolt, and if it's not revolting, you aren't going to have a revolt. There'll be no revolt if there's no revolution. And you won't have revolution to seize whatever God has for you. To grab a hold of that, it means you have got to be a revolutionary, not a pacifist, not diplomacy, but see that thing as revolting. If there's no revolution, there'll be nothing new, including you. 
So what is it in your life right now? In closing, I'll get the team to come up. What is it in your life right now that you should see as revolting? But maybe you're not. Maybe you're proud of your past. <laughs> I think sometimes it's, you know, the, the, the bigger we were in the devil's kingdom and the more the people esteemed us as bad, it's hard to give that up. I've met people, traveled and preached, one guy from Malaysia, he was a hit man. And that's all they wanted him to do is tell about how many people he killed and all the rest of it. And I, and I sat in, in the same room as him because I was a speaker at the same church. And I said, man, like that must be so hard telling your story all the time. And he started crying. He said, it is. I said, you know, do you enjoy doing it? He goes, no, I hate doing it. But that's all they want me to do is come and tell my story about being a hitman. And I felt, I felt really sorry for him. I thought, man, and I, I felt very thankful that I, I never killed anybody. I was never a hitman, and that's not what they wanted me to tell. I felt so sad. I get so sad when I see new creations in Christ going back and talking old all the time, digging that all up and everything, wondering why they can't, they just can't seem to move on. It's because you've got to, you've got to resolve it. You've got to be a revolutionary. You've got to overcome it. Blind Bartimaeus overcome. You know, he, he threw his begging mat down. The, the 10 lepers, they got tired of leprosy eating them up and, and they, they got violent about it. So whatever's killing your dream, you must see it as revolting enough to stage a revolt. Right now, whether you're watching online or you're present here in this auditorium, I want you to identify what is it of the old that needs to seriously, you need to keep it in the ground and shut the lid and not go back to it. What is it right now that you need to look at and see is so revolting about you, your old man, not the new, you don't dare bring that out. You don't want to show anybody about it because it's revolting, it stinks. What is it that God has shown you that you could walk in but you're not walking in it because you haven't seized it yet. You haven't seized the new, you gotta let go of the old. To put on the new robe of righteousness and true holiness, you gotta get the stinking unrighteousness and unholiness, keep it where it belongs, in the grave, don't let it out. What is it right now that's revolting, right now that God is speaking to you about to repent and to let that go? Father, I thank you for everyone that's listening right now, I thank you that you would do business in our hearts. This is between you as an individual and God. It's not up to anybody else except you to stage a revolt. Father, I thank you. You've shown us things that could be. You've shown us incredible dreams, incredible adventures, incredible inventions. You've shown us what could be in our life. Lord, now help us to shut the door and to put the past in the past and cross over into something new in Jesus' name. I'm going to pray for you right now. So if you're here uh, or online, I just want to pray a simple prayer so that you can be found in Christ because if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. If that's you right now, you're not in Christ, but you want to be this morning, I'm just going to pray a simple prayer. If you'll just repeat this prayer after me and these people that are here are going to pray it as well, uh, we would love for you to find out what it means to be a brand new creation in Christ Jesus and follow him. 
So pray this after me. Say, Dear God, I thank you for giving me new life through your Son, Jesus. Jesus, I give you my life. The old is gone, and the new is here. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, come on. Everybody said amen. Amen, amen. Well, God bless you guys, and I'll see you next week uh, for uh, all things new. We're going to continue on. We're going to get into some great areas, but God bless you wherever you're at. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Tell your friends about it. Anybody that we can help, it's all free, so make sure that you, uh, you know, tell as many friends as you can, and uh, God bless you. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.